Well, it's been a busy week for most of us, I'm sure. Um, a lot of things going on, uh, a lot of um, good stuff. Uh, I'm thankful that I got to see, you know, a lot of you two or three times, maybe four times over the last few days. Uh, so I'm thankful that we're all here together again on a Sunday morning like we normally are. And so uh, we'll be in our series, Enduring Faith, and we'll be in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn in it to that passage. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, if you're visiting with us today, feel free to grab one of the ones um, that is in the insert underneath the chair. Uh, there's an ESV for you if you don't have a Bible down there also, which is the version that we use. <clears throat> today we'll be talking about knowing God. Um, J.I. Packer wrote a book um, entitled Knowing God, and um, if you've never heard of that before, uh, I would really encourage you to grab that if you like listening to books too. Take about 10 hours to listen to, or you can read it, whichever way that works best for you. Um, I encourage you to do that, and we'll be talking a little bit about being the best. So many of us uh, in the different areas that we do life and work and serve, we would say we might like to be the best, or at least we attain to be good at the things that we do, right? So whether you uh, have a job and you're like, I want to be the best at that, or maybe you're a husband or a father or a mother, and you think, I want to be the best at that, and... Today, what I'd really like to talk to us about is if we could know God well, if we could be the best, the best we can at knowing God, then a lot of these other areas um, will really flow together uh, for us, and we'll find ourselves being, I think, even better in those spaces. And so the question is, how do we do that? How do we be the best? And I would say a strange time, uh, for sure. Um, uh, I think today, um, September 11th, so I think back... uh, Many years ago, uh, many of us thought where we were on that day, September 11th, when the Twin Towers were struck by commercial airliners. It was probably something that most of us, uh, at least those of us who are in the room who were alive, and uh, remember it, um, it was kind of an unfathomable event. Um, Things that have taken place since then have maybe made that more normative, but it still probably stands out in history uh, as one of the worst terrorist attacks um, in the United States. And as you think back to that, I... I was thinking back to it as well, um, and how do we be the best in kind of a strange time and all the things that have taken place in the last year, it's uh, difficult. I was sitting in my school uh, on September 11th. Uh, That day, I remember it vividly. We were near, in Fort Worth, Texas, we were kind of near the downtown area, and so I went to a charter school at that time, and one of the things that happened um, pretty much like right after that, uh, all the emergency preparedness response people um, went into place kind of all over the country, and so they shut down a lot of the uh, major metropolitan areas. So uh, I remember police cars going by, and we're just like, what is going on? And pretty soon after that, because we were within kind of that um, safety zone of the downtown area, um, and because of tall buildings and all that stuff they were already thinking about because of what was transpiring, um, they <clears throat> said, we're going to shut down everything within a certain uh, square uh, you know, mileage of downtown. And so uh, it was within a few minutes, I think, of that taking place. The school got a call, you need to leave. Um, and so they're just shutting everything down. I remember leaving and going home, and so I had kind of a unique perspective as a kid growing up during that time. I got to go home, and <clears throat> so when I got home, you know, my mom was um, watching the TV, what was going on, and I remember kind of getting home, uh, I would say, around the time I got to watch the second plane uh, slam into Tower 2. And so that was just like, you know, you're watching this as a kid, and you're going like, this is crazy. Like this, there's something really wrong going on here, and there's really no level that, uh, if you're of an age that you can remember or be aware uh, of it, um, then you know you think back to that and you go, "That was kind of just kind of that pinnacle moment of like, 
the world's not right, right? Something's messed up. And I feel like that anxiety and the fear of those things from the past have kind of come to bear more recently with disease and things like that. And we just sort of sit in this place, kind of like we talked about a few years ago, of this, this fear mode, a few weeks ago, fear mode instead of maybe a mode that trusts in the Lord more. Um, but it's hard. You know, we think back to those times and we kind of go like, what's the answer to that? And I think even like leaders and people are looking for that response. What is the answer to that? How do we know God? How do we be the best in a time that's really strange? And I love this question, too. Uh, many people have asked it, when is normal coming back? And what most people say is it's probably not. And, and that's kind of a discouraging message when you think about it, but I think there's some hope that we can find today. And I'd like to read to you one <clears throat> excerpt from uh, it's a manuscript of the, uh, George W. Bush's address to the nation. Uh, it was last year, so it was the 20-year memorial. It was at the Flight 93 memorial. So uh, if you're not aware, or maybe you just weren't even alive during that time, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> there were other planes um, that maybe didn't make it to the places they were going to, and specifically Flight 93 uh, crashed in a field in Pennsylvania, I believe. And um, so you know, we, you, you're hearing other reports like there's another plane that crashed here. And so what we you figured out after the fact they were reporting on it, more than likely what took place was this group of passengers took over that plane and kept it from getting to wherever it was supposed to go. Uh, and so they were remembering all those people, <clears throat> and this is just an excerpt from uh, George W. Bush's uh, talk that he gave, or his speech. He said this, In the weeks and months following the 9-11 attacks, I was proud to lead an amazing, resilient, and united people. When it comes to the unity of America... Those days seem distant from our own. A malign force seems at work in our common life that turns every disagreement into an argument and every argument into a clash of cultures. So much of our politics have become a naked appeal to anger, fear, and resentment that leaves us worried about our nation and the future that we have together. I come without expectations or solutions. I can only tell you what I've seen. On America's day of trial and grief, I saw millions of people instinctively grab for a neighbor's hand and rally to the cause of one another. That is the America I know. And so on days that are hard like that, like we look back and we're like, I remember where I was. And that was like a sobering day for me, for all of us, I think. And knowing that maybe the world was less of a safe place than we thought it was. And when we look to God's word and his comfort and encouragement for us, I, I can't help but think just, man, if we, if we could know God, better, if we could be the best at that, then a lot of these other spaces where we worry and we fret and we just go, like, God, things are out of control. <laughs> what do we do? What's our um, response to that? Well, I think that we can find it in God's Word today and knowing Him uh, all the better. And so where do we start? Well, um, first fill in the blanks the, is this, the best foundation, the best foundation. Um, <clears throat> so we'll start in Verse 1, and this really just kind of encompasses this idea of understanding the key components of a successful faith. So weathering the storm, seeing what's going on, and going, hey, I know that's uh, difficult, but when is normal coming back? Well, I, I also saw this before I read the verse to you. Um, when is normal coming back? Well, I saw a t-shirt. That was clever. And it said, uh, when is normal coming back? Uh, and then it said, it's not. And I'm like, wow, that's a depressing, that's a depressing shirt. But then it said, uh, underneath that, it said, but Jesus is. So, yeah, that's the good news that we have, right? And so the rest of the world is just like, everything's going out of control. Do you remember what happened 21 years ago? Yeah, I just, I can't even like, you know, when I was growing up, and we have a lot of those conversations, 
about how crazy things are, but then, you know, we don't stop to go, okay, but where do we go? Where do we go from there? Normal may not be coming back, but Jesus is. I love that. Uh, so in verse 1, it says, <clears throat> you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So where's, where's Paul writing from? We've talked about this. He's writing to the church in Ephesus and to Timothy, and he's, uh, he's writing uh, to a church that uh, is going through a lot of struggle. First to second Timothy, things change. The church is under a great deal of persecution, and Paul's writing from a cold, dark dungeon. He doesn't have the appropriate attire for where he's at at the time, <clears throat> and he's writing to the church, and he's not saying, you know, I need some help. I need some encouragement. I need, I need this. I need that. No, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And Paul uses specific words. I love it in the original language. Um, <clears throat> and the word here for strengthened, it's the word in dunamo, and it means to receive, receive strength from an outside source. If we're just constantly relying on ourselves as like this foundation, uh, then that's not going to work, right? And we talk about this often, but if you've ever been to a construction site and you see how they're, cut, they're like laying the rebar, and I'm not, you know, I don't do that, so if I don't describe it right, then don't get mad at me, but they're laying the rebar and they're, you know, they're putting the wood around it and they're about to set that foundation. And there's a lot of things that are involved in establishing that process. And the good news is, well, <clears throat> this foundation that we have, it's not like any earthly foundation, right? Those things crack. You've ever had that happen in your house? <laughs> Not fun, right? It's expensive to fix. <clears throat> and so this foundation that we have, it doesn't change for us, right? We've got this bold confidence that um, <clears throat> when bad stuff happens, because it's going to, we're able to go, man, I know normal may not could be coming back, but I'm glad Jesus is. And everything else between now and then, I uh, mean, I'm glad that we have this foundation that's stable, right? Other things may not be. In fact, a lot of things may not be, but we have been given strength and encouragement and uh, confidence in the Lord. So it comes from outside of ourselves. Again, we don't just like, it's kind of like um, <clears throat> it's difficult for us. And I feel like events like 9-11 kind of put things in perspective. You know, people were going like, we'll pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. And at some point, you know, that doesn't work. And we have to go, okay, God, we trust you. And we know this foundation is in you. And we've got this great confidence. You know, I, um, <clears throat> I think about you know, younger people, too, who like just come in, you know, into the faith, and they're like, you know, excited, and, and we're always kind of like, yeah, they'll, they'll cool down, you know, they'll mellow out. Um, and then I just get these pictures, like, of, you know, of, of kids who, who really genuinely believe, like we do, but there's all this excitement, there's all this expectation that sometimes I feel like we lose, especially when there's disheartening things that are going on. And um, I was talking to uh, my daughter, Alana, before um, the baby was supposed to be here, and we kind of thought, well, maybe Sydney will come early, I don't know. Uh, and um, the due date, though, kind of fell at a time where if she did come right then, then we wouldn't be able to go to graduation for Alana, for kindergarten. Um, and so we told her that, and she was, you know, she's understandably disappointed, but she, she looked at me and she said, Dad, I'm going to pray that Sydney comes early. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, you know, maybe that'll happen. I was like, silly, you know, silly Alana. And, um, well, sure enough, um, Christy went into labor several days before. We actually ended up getting sent back from the hospital, which I didn't like, but we got sent back from the hospital. And they said, you know, they give you the whole thing, come back when, uh, you know, everything seems like it's uh, going more that direction. I'm like, it seems like it's going that direction now. So, 
could we just stay here? And then, because that's kind of terrible. He wants to go home and then be like, hey, whenever, uh, whenever things, you know, progress a little bit more, I'm like, it seems like it's far enough along right now. Like, let's just stay. So anyway, they sent us home. And, you know, of course, you know, um, Alana comes back from school that day and I'm talking to her again. And she's like, where's the baby? You know, because we left in the middle of the night. We were gone when she went to school. And so um, we're back and like, we're not, no, no baby yet, right? Baby's still, you know, and mom. And, okay. Okay. And uh, I said, it's okay, babe. If she doesn't come until this day, then that's all right. And she's like, Dad, I'm not going to stop praying. And um, man, the conviction, it's like of young people, um, somebody who, who just come into a saving knowledge of Jesus. And I feel like times we just go, they're so silly. You know, <laughs> they'll get over it, right? We'll read what Paul says. He, uh, he gives us some perspective that this strength that we have, this confidence that we have, it doesn't come from some outside source, right? Things that we can just make happen or we can do. It comes from God. And I'm thankful for examples like that. So what does this foundation look like? Well, we know it's rooted in Christ. And so I think about 1 Timothy 2, 6 through 8, it says this, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So what was Peter talking about? He was talking about Jesus. He goes, hey, here is who God is, our foundation, our cornerstone. And there'll be those who say, you know what, no thanks, but that's okay. Because where does our hope come from, right? We go, normal may not be coming back, but Jesus is. And we, how do we accomplish this? Well, how do we have this uh, solid faith? Well, by knowing God. And so in verse 2 says, we really need to um, have a foundation that, that kind of extends from that. So not just Jesus Christ. And we're not just kind of running around, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? How is the church supposed to act and function? We've talked a lot about that in the series. But verse 2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's this great expectation um, that, that not just Jesus Christ is the foundation for us. Yes, we have that. But, but how are we going to lead the church? How are we going to operate? We've talked a lot about that, having faithful men who would serve, and specifically our deacons, I think of those who are in that role, who would be able to teach others also. And this is this defense of sound doctrine, because what was going on in the church at the time, they, it would have been easy, in fact it was, and a lot of them did. In fact, Paul references people in here who he says, yeah, they departed. Yeah, they said they were believers, but <clears throat> they weren't there to support in a time of need. And so uh, he's going to reference some of those, but when we read this, we go, and we really need to have people who are solid, right? Um, who are solid in those leader roles and can teach and encourage uh, sound doctrine. And we'll talk even more about that next week, why, why that's so important, why it's not, just, it's not just okay to go, oh, you know what, the times are changing. And culturally, that's okay, right? Attire changes, right? Cars change. We have to fix things in our house. Like, everything requires upkeep, and everything's always changing. The culture is changing, the music is changing, although at times we wish it wouldn't. Right? Uh, so everything's always changing except for God and his word. And so that's why it's so important. Like we, these cultural things can change, but when we, we pick up God's word, we, we were just able to get some new Bibles. So you got, again, you got some ESVs there. Um, that's the version that I use and I put on the screen. It's so important to go, here's what our authority is. And we're not departing from that. And furthermore, we have people who are in place to go, hey, we're not going to depart from that. We're not going to, so you got another idea? Okay, thank you for that. But here's where we're going to rest, all right? The foundation of Christ and his word, people to steward that. And then verse three, 
Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So we, we not only have this foundation of Christ and the faithful men who have been tasked with leading the church, but then we also have, wait a minute, this foundation of suffering. You know, we, we always get to that point where we're like, yes, you know, God is good, the Word is good. Um, yeah, you know, we love our church family and leadership, and that's all awesome. But then to share in suffering. <laughs> that's a tougher one, right? I don't know. I don't know that I want to go through that difficulty. And, and Paul, he's not writing from not having experience. If you remember Paul's ministry, <clears throat> he would unapologetically go places, tell people about God. He would share the gospel. Uh, and then there'd be occasions where, like, he'd get stoned and, I mean, like, beat up, you know what I mean? Uh, he'd get, he'd get uh, like, literally rocks thrown at him. And uh, that was an older reference, sorry. <clears throat> he'd get rocks thrown at him. And then he'd get, the people would drag him outside of the city and leave him there, and they'd be like, I think he's dead. I think we're good. And then they would leave, and he'd get up, and he'd like, you know, dust himself off. Uh, I'm a little hurt, but I'm okay. <laughs> I'm going to go to the next place. And so if you can imagine from somebody's perspective like that, going, share in the suffering. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And when he said that, there was this very real possibility for the people that he was talking to, like, you, you might get drug out of your house in the middle of the night. Like, it's not like for us, and if you read that book by J.I. Packer, he talks a lot about that. Like, it's just easy for us to go, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and there's no real consequences at the end of the day, right? Now, there's some for us if we're faithful, and we share the gospel, and we encourage those that are in our circles, um, but, but really not of, like, somebody dragging you out of your business and then getting stoned. And so, um, but this is the reality for Paul, and he's like, he's like, be prepared, be prepared, because there's this foundation of suffering that we should take part in, right? As we struggle, as there's difficulties that we encounter, we also have this answer for the rest of the world. It's like when, you, when you're, like you're staring at a TV and you're like, this is not real. Like, I mean, I know when I was sitting in front of my TV as a kid, like when I got home, I was watching this, I'm like, this, like, this is a movie. Like, this is, not, this is not real. And so when we encounter things like that, we go, yeah, this is, man, this is tough stuff. But as we share in that suffering, man, we're able to go, okay, there is hope for us, right? We shouldn't despair, right? Difficulty is going to come. And so Sarah in the suffering, Paul says, I like this quote, um, because sometimes it's difficult for us. We go, well, yeah, I know normal's not coming back, but I can't get around that because if I don't have this thing that I used to have, or if this you know, way that we used to do things doesn't come back, then I'm not going to be okay. I'm just going to struggle. And J.I. Um, <clears throat> Packer wrote this in his book. He, he's talking about peace. So where do we find that from? The normal, well, it comes from knowing God. He said, there's no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them. And that this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in this life and through death and on forever. So we talked about that yesterday too at uh, Esther's memorial. Um, We're sad but we're also hopeful, right? We've got this hopeful expectation. It's what we talk about, being reunited with those who have gone before us. And there's a peace that comes with that, right? Not just going, yeah, I mean, you live, you die, and that's it. How depressing would that be if that is where you find yourself today? I'm, I'm here to tell you there's, there's hope that we can have. There's a greater hope. Romans 5.1 says, Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So no matter what happens, we've got access to this foundation that gives us peace. So here's the second thing. So we've got this best foundation, and uh, we've got the best examples too, right? God sent faithful witnesses. Uh, and maybe for you as a kid, you're like, you know, yeah, like my hero was, you know, fill in the blank. Maybe it was Superman. 
Maybe it was Batman. That debate continues to go on, <laughs> and it will. Who's better, uh, right? Maybe you had that like superhero in your mind, um, and you pretended to be that person as a kid. Maybe as you got a little bit older, you're like, okay, they're not real. So my hero, mom and dad. And then you grew up a little bit more, and you were like, oh, wait, mom and dad aren't cool, so i got to find a new hero. And then you get to be my age, and you're like, okay, maybe mom and dad really knew what they were talking about, really. Maybe I really should have listened. I should give them some more attention, right? But so who were the examples that we followed? I don't know for you who that was growing up, but Paul's going to give some examples for us, right? He's, he's going to go, hey, here are some ideas. Here are some people we need to think about <clears throat> in regards to this. Now, verse 4 says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So we've, we've got these illustrations from like real-life people in real-life situations on how you know, they lived and operated. Uh, and I know we have many people who are in our church family who have served, so thank you for that also, um, for your service. And, and as Paul gets the idea, he's going, hey, if you were a soldier, what would you not be doing? getting entangled in civilian pursuits. In fact, if your superior said, hey, I need you to go to this place and do that, you're going to take this equipment, or you're going to go and carry out this mission, you wouldn't be like, you know what? Let me think about it. I Actually, I've got to go take care of uh, some laundry and some stuff, and so you know, I've got to go meet this person. You'd be like, yes, sir, and go, you go and do that, right? So <laughs> that's how it works. Um, <clears throat> but it's strange. Like We don't think about things like that. We need timeless examples, and a soldier is certainly one of those. So Paul says, hey, what was his aim? To please the one who enlisted him. So who are we trying to please? I know it's tough. It's like, you know, we go throughout our weeks and, and sometimes we kind of fall into this place of like, you know, I'd really like to please myself right now, if I'm being honest, right? You know, I want to take care of myself. I want to, you know, I want to please my family, maybe my spouse, my kids. I want to take care of them. And there's nothing wrong with many of those things. But, but at the end of the day, if like our answer is not like, I want the whole of my life to be about pleasing God, the one who enlisted me, then uh, maybe there's a problem. Or are we constantly like in fear again uh, about not just the things going on around us, but pleasing other people too? I feel like we fall into that. Instead of being the soldier who's dedicated to Christ, we go, yeah, I know, but I'm really worried about what this person thinks. And so um, if I'm being honest, like I'm going to probably do what they want instead of doing what God wants. And that's always the question we have to answer. And we're so worried about all these things, like, like disappointing someone or something else happening over here. Um, like what William Shakespeare said, he said, A coward dies a thousand times before his death, but the valiant, ta- valiant taste of death but once. It seems to me most strange that men should fear, seeing that death, a necessary end, will come when it will come. So we're so worried about like all kinds of things, right? Now, instead of going, wait a second, there's really just one thing that I should be worried about, one thing that I should be fearful of, or who God and what he wants. And, and where does he dwell? Like, where, where are his thoughts? It's always hard for us because we're so, we're so bogged down in this life. I always think about you know, those faithful saints who, they, they get to the point where, you know, it's like nothing else matters because either they're so sick or they're so tired and they're just like, I'm just ready to be home with the Lord. And you get such great perspective from those people. I don't know. I've just had the wonderful blessing of getting to sit beside a lot of faithful saints um, before they went to be with the Lord. And I, you know, I, I'm going there to minister, but a lot of times I'm like, ah, you, you ministered to me. They're like, thanks for coming, Pastor. I'm like, I, I learned a lot <laughs> in this, this little talk. Because when all those other things just like get pulled off you, when all the other fears and anxieties and expectations of the world or friends or family or of our jobs or whatever, whoever we're trying to please except for God, like, when you talk to somebody who's in that position, they're like, man, I'm looking forward to that. Like, I'm just thinking about God. Like, we get such perspective, don't we? Um, I like to think about it like this. Isaiah used these words in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. He said, for my thoughts 
are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we're constantly going like, God, I want to know you better. Like I want to be closer to you. And that, that fight never ends, okay? So just so you don't think like, there's one day I will arrive. And then I will know all things. I will be closer to the Lord than anyone, and um, I'll have no more questions. Uh, and that, that doesn't happen, right? But we're in this season, and what, this, uh, what theology would tell us is this progressive sanctification that we're becoming more like Christ. It's not that we won't struggle. It's not that we won't have questions. When we look at what Isaiah says, we go, God, I, I want my thoughts to be higher than right here. And it's hard, right? We feel like a lot of times the world and everything in us that, that kind of bogs us down, and we go, I, I just don't, I'm feeling like I'm having a hard day. I can't get my thoughts up above that ceiling. But God gives us access to it, doesn't he? He gives us another example, an athlete, right? Uh, football season has started, so go Bills, right? Man, just, like the, yeah, that was a good game, okay? It was a good game. Um, so in verse 5, we see this athlete. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Like if somebody walked out there, let's say they walk out on the football field, and they're going like, you know what? <clears throat> The play's not going to start when, that, when, when the center, he snaps that back to the quarterback and he goes, I'm just going to take the ball and I'm going to run to the touchdown from the sideline. Maybe it's the guy who's like second or third string and he's like, I want to mean something. I'm going to get a touchdown right now. And he goes out and grabs the ball from the ref, runs, and he does a celebration, all those silly things they do. And uh, he does a celebration. Would anybody be going like, good job, man. Like, way to go. No, they'd be going, get off the field. And now you'll probably never play ever again. In fact, we'll have a conversation when we get back. You're probably getting cut. So, uh, so uh, what happens? Well, an athlete's supposed to compete according to the rules. Or um, sometimes, you know, you watch professional athletes, and you'll find out, like, years later, like, something happens. Um, I remember um, watching, what's the guy who did the bicycle thing? Lance Armstrong, right? So the Tour de France stuff, I remember watching those guys, and it's, like, so awesome. Like, they're going so fast, and they're, like, one right behind the other. Well, s- sometimes people don't compete according to the rules. That gets found out after the fact, doesn't it? And then what happens? All those achievements, all those accolades, they get ripped away, right? And anything that even was legitimate, people are like, uh, I don't even know if I believe that, you know, he won that one legitimately because of this, right? Well, that's tough for us. And nobody enjoys, like, those stories. Like, something comes out, and like, man, he, that athlete, he did not compete according to the rules. Well, what's the point of Christianity then for us either? If, like, we're not going to follow Jesus, we're not going to be faithful, and uh, we're not going to say, God, I, I want to know you better. In fact, I want to be the best at knowing you, so that all of these other areas of my life will make more sense. I want to compete according to the rules because, man, and we know what they are. He doesn't get crowned unless he does. In verse 6, it's a great example for us here today. love that Paul uses this. It's a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So where do we live? Well, we're, a lot of us, we come from all around, right? But we live in a predominantly rural farming community. And, and I love that. I know I came from Dallas-Fort Worth, and it's just like always going like, you know, all hours of the day. You can always hear cars going down the road. And it's just like, man, there's times like I could walk out in the street, and there's nobody around. And nobody's coming. Right? Nobody's coming down that road on a state route down here through 98 that our church is situated on. And it's like peace, peaceful, right? Well, that's where you have to be to do farming, right? I love the Zuber family. Um, we got to go out, uh, members of our church got to go out a couple years ago, I guess it was now, and we came out and kind of saw the whole operation. I had no idea. I'm like, city boy, 
to not know that stuff, right? So, so we, we go out, and they were gracious enough to show us around, just like the whole production, like the crops and you know, the natural gas stuff and the cows and the milk, and you're like, man, there's so much that goes into this. And there's a reason, <clears throat> because agriculture was one of the main businesses. It was one of the main things that society functioned off of. And um, kind of like now, only we forget that at times, I think. And so we love going out there. And I, was, I just went away from that. I was like, that, that was awesome, right? It's like, how does all these things take place? Well, a lot of hard work. And, and Paul is saying this for a reason. He's like, don't get entangled like civilians do. Be, be that soldier. And he's saying like, hey, like a hardworking farmer. Like, don't stop. Like, the production has got to go on, right? It just doesn't stop over there, okay? All hours of the day. You think I'm kidding? Like, go over there. And it's like, cows are going milking the whole time. So just, you'd be amazed. I'm sure of it. I saw a, uh, <clears throat> it was a bumper sticker. And it was about this. And it, it was a simple little phrase. that said, no farms, no food. It's like, oh. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's definitely true, isn't it, right? You go to the grocery store, you get your stuff, and you're like, it had to come from somewhere, so Paul's saying, hey, this, ain't, this isn't going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be a lot of hard work. And, uh, and we know that well, right, because of the area that we're in. So I'm thankful for that family. And, uh, man, the, um, <clears throat> the examples that Paul gives here, like don't compete, don't break the rules, follow God, be faithful. You know, don't be like that, per- that soldier who he breaks off and he's worrying about civilian things. Don't do that either. Be like the hardworking farmer, right? Yeah, he's going to get the first share. I'm thankful for that. So we've got this foundation, and we've got examples. Like, they're all around us. God, through Paul, gave those to the church and to us, which, oddly enough, you know, they're fairly relatable to us right now, aren't they? I always love it when people are like, you know, that Bible, it's got some good stuff in it, but it's so old, and it just doesn't relate. <laughs> it just doesn't relate to where I'm at right now. Like, have you read it? <laughs> have you read it? There's a lot of, I mean, all the stuff in it's good, right? So we've got this foundation. We've got examples. How do we know God and will? I want to be the best at that, so all these other areas um, fall into place. And I'll close with just this, the last verse, um, verse 7. It's the best practice, the best practice. So we should always be practicing, right? Like, like the examples we're given, like the soldier, like the farmer, all right? What should we be doing? Well, the work doesn't stop, and um, certainly becoming more like Christ, being the best, knowing him well, it doesn't just happen. You know, we've talked about that. Like, we walk out of this place, and sometimes... And I know we're busy, right? Especially it's like this last week is like first day of school, right? We had the memorial yesterday. We had the corn roast. And so thank you for the Warners for hosting that, by the way. Um, we got to hang out out there, and that was awesome, just the fellowship. Uh, but then, you know, I go, well, what should we be practicing no matter what? No matter what else is going on, the, the busyness of life. Paul says this, verse 7, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Well, that's good news, right? How do we, we practice knowing God the best? We, we relive and we recite and we think about his word and his instruction because we've got the foundation, we've got examples, so other people working in and throughout the world, God says we should be like this and our faith should be like this and then we should keep practicing it because what does that entail? It involves some thinking over, right? And nobody becomes godly by just going, you know what, I'm not ever going to read my Bible. I'm not ever going to pray. I'm never going to go to church. I'm never going to really talk to anybody about God. But I think, I think that I will understand all things. <laughs> that doesn't work, right? Uh, and so he says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That word for um, thinking over, that's uh, noeo uh, in the Greek. It means to heed, ponder, or consider. Um, <clears throat> there are things that we do and that we're good at in life and that we, like, we want to be the best at. And we really put effort into it, don't we? You know, I, I think about... Um, back to when 
Um, Christy and I first met, and there was no lack of effort on my part. Right? I, was, I was thinking, like, how? I saw her for the first time. I was like, how do I get to know this, you know, this beautiful woman? And you know, all these years later, it's like we got three kids. Praise God for that. And, um, but, but it's like changing in different seasons. You have to go, how do I continue to put effort into this, into our relationship? It's hard. But if somebody were to ask you, like, you know, do you, do you put effort into your relationship? Well, hopefully, whether it's when you first met each other, when you got engaged, you got married, and then years down the road, right? We should be. And so <clears throat> in a similar way, he says, think over, heed, or consider. We should be considering these things of knowing God. Like, how do we do that? How do we develop that better? <clears throat> and sometimes these things, I, I think they just kind of go in one ear and out the other. We're struggling or we're having a difficult day or we remember the, the difficult events of the past or even recently, and we go, you know, the, the normal not coming back is just really it's too much for me to handle. Instead, we could go, I, I want to be, no matter what goes on, I want to be the best about knowing God right now. And everything else, yeah, I think it will fall into place for us. So here's a few examples, um, and this is this word here for thinking, or, you know, there's a, it's translated a couple different ways, but in Romans 1, 20, I love this verse, <clears throat> it says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. <clears throat> I always love, um, we like camping, so I love, love going out, and we've got this big window in the back of our camper. It's um, where um, one of our girls sleeps. There's a little bed there, and so we sit there in the mornings, and we, we open it up, and we're like, look at all of this. Like, look at what God has done. Look at his creation. In fact, the Bible tells us, and what does it say? <laughs> it says, namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. It's like, and I'm walking around talking to people, and they're like, God's not real. You know, he's not relevant. He's, you know, yeah, the God of the Bible, he's not around anymore. He must have changed. And I'm like, have you opened your eyes? It's like, read your Bible, like, look outside (laughs) and go like, how amazing is God that he's done these things? And so even the rest of the world that will stand before God one day will go like, I didn't know. I I mean, what, like, what, what, well, did you open your eyes, like, while you were alive? And what has been perceived, what has been thought of in the minds of men? And it's something more than just, oh, that was an accident. Like the world just, you know, we started in Genesis today. And it's like, as I'm reading this, it's always, it should always be afresh to us. Like in the beginning, what did God do? He created, how did he create? And if you look at that, like uh, uh, before every single one of those things, like he, he did it by his word, right? He, he, he spoke and everything just sort of came into being. And that should never cease to amaze us. And the rest of the world that just goes like, oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> this is a random accident that happened. Uh, but we understand it because when we think about it and we perceive it rightly, when we look out in the world, even those that don't know God will go, there's something more. There's something more to this. So, then Ephesians uses the same word. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Think about according to the power is at work within us. We don't even think like as we're thinking, we're even thinking about the things of God. I love that example um, with Alana just going like, yeah, you know, and we'll, God will take care of that. We'll figure it out. She's like, I'm praying. <laughs> do, do we really believe? It's like, do we really believe in God's power and his ability to do things? And as we even think about him, are we thinking about like this, like this like little, you know, little God? He's like, he can do some stuff. Just don't ask for too much because you don't want to get disappointed. <laughs> or do we ask for big things? Do we have expectation um, that God will do? Because he says he does more than all we ask according to the power that is work within us. Hebrews 11, 3, uses the same word. For, and it's translated as understanding. It says, by faith, 
we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So Hebrews comes back in Genesis. He come, it comes back, the author says, how was it created? By the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, right? So we have all these objective evidences of the world around us, and we're going like, if we're thinking about who God is, if we're opening our eyes and going like, even for the unbeliever, as we tell people. I, I don't know, we think too, like, you know, if we tell people about God, if we're like, hey, I'm reading my quiet time this week, God created the world in seven days. Did you know that? We're so fearful, right, that people are like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. By the way, have you ever heard of the Big Bang? I think that's the thing that happened. You know, no. Have you opened your eyes? Like, look at the world. Look at the intricate details of nature and everything else. Andy talked about it this morning. It's like, we, you know, we're looking at the stars, and scientists are like, we had no idea. <laughs> and we look at this, and we're going, we had a pretty good idea beforehand, didn't we? Uh, from the foundation of the world, we had a pretty good idea, right? And it all comes around this idea of, of understanding who God is. So we've got the foundation, we've got the examples, and the best practice, what's the best practice? Think about God. Think about God often, like pray. And I know sometimes we think too, like, well, you know, again, it's like a time thing. I got to go over here and I got to go do this. Well, where are you? Are we putting like reminders, things maybe in our car, like as you're getting ready in the morning, places we spend a lot of time, because you can brush your teeth and pray (laughs) at the same time, right? I've done that. Whatever you're doing, like God gives us that ability. So are we thinking about God? I hope so. Let's think about it more. Um, so what is God doing? When we really think over these things, he's molding and he's shaping our hearts, and he's given us these opportunities to think more deeply about who he is. Isaiah's like, God, man, God told me, like, your ways, they're down here. Where are God's thoughts? They're up there. And I'm always just going, like, God, could our thoughts be up there? Like, I want my thoughts to be there. I want to be the best at knowing you. If I was the best at anything, I want to be the best at knowing you. And so he's going, he's going to give us understanding as well. So this word in the Greek, it just means um, uh, flowing together of knowledge. Um, and while we live on this wor- world, it's, it's difficult because we don't know all things, right? Scripture tells us that when we are with God, we're going to be fully known. He's going to fully know us, and we're going to fully know him. And then we have all these questions. We're like, what about that? You know, what about when the Bible said that? I just had a conversation this morning before service started. What do you think about this? And so my thought is always, you know, like, well, we have answers to a lot of things. But there's other things that maybe we don't. And God's given us this hope. As you think about it, as you ponder, as you, as you go, God, I want my ways, I want my thoughts to be like your thoughts. I want them to be higher so that when whatever comes, I want to be the best about knowing you. So even if normal doesn't come back, that's okay, because Jesus is no matter what. Um, so there's a few more um, words here just I was thinking about in this. Um, <clears throat> If we want to really understand things, if we want to be like the best, because I know we were like, I, if, if I was being honest, you asked me what I want to be the best about, I would be like, I, want, I mean, I want to be a good Christian, because that's the right answer, right? Sometimes, if we were just to get alone and be like, God, what do I really love the most? Would it be something else? And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's like, yeah, I just want to be the best athlete, or I want to be the best employee, or I want to be the best spouse. And, and again, none of those things are bad things, but... When they take the place of God, they become bad things, right? And so Paul's pointing us in this direction that, um, man, if there were anything else that were more important to us uh, than knowing God deeply than being the best at that. And, and, and we stress out about it too. We're like, well, I don't, I don't have the time or I don't want to really invest in that as much. Like I'm doing my thing. You know, I'm going to church and giving my tithe. You know, I'll be there when I can. And then as far as my own personal faith, well, that's, that's private. You know, that's mine. But then do we really live it out? I don't know. Uh, I think we answer that with the way we live our lives. Um, and I love what Andy shared about the memorial yesterday, um, just having family members share about um, this church over the years, um, you know, being faithful to the Lord and to 
families in need, to people in need in our community and our extended family, uh, family members that are a part of this church. And so I just have a, a question, really. It's from uh, J.I. Packer's book. I'll read this, uh, this ac- excerpt from it. Um, again, he wrote this book called Knowing God. If you, if you read a book in the next six months, read this book. Um, J.I. Packer, he said this, We are unlike Christians of the New Testament times. Our approach to life is conventional and static. Theirs was not. The thought of safety first was not a drag on their enterprise as it is ours. By being exuberant, unconventional, and uninhibited in living by the gospel, they turned their world upside down. But you could not accuse us 20th century Christians of doing anything like that. Why are we so different? Why, compared with them, do we appear as no more than halfway Christians? Whence comes the nervous, dithery, take-no-risk mood that mars so much of our discipleship? Why are we not free enough from fear and anxiety to allow ourselves to go full stretch into following Christ? One reason, it seems, is that in our heart of hearts, we are afraid of the consequences of going the whole way in the Christian life. We shrink from accepting the burden of responsibility of others because we fear we should not have strength to bear them. And man, that just like, when I read that, it was like a ton of bricks. I was like, man, and I, I need, what do we talk about at the beginning? God's strength. It's like in all this, as we're reading the scripture, we put so much weight on ourselves. And, and J.I. Packer, when he wrote this, he wasn't, he was, it was a slight to the church now, yes, but he was going like, there were so many things they were going through. Like they didn't, they were, we didn't experience the same, same things, but what if, what if we just viewed God in the right lens? What if we knew him so well that the strength that he gives us is actually what we rest on instead of our own? Can we bear them? No, and we can't bear the things of life. We can't bear other people's burdens, can we? You know, people always ask me, um, I'm talking to them you know, as a pastor, like, you know, that's a hard job. Well, I guess so. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, you're, you're listening to other people, with, like things that are going on, you're praying for them, you're encouraging them, you're building them up. And I'm like, it doesn't come from me. It comes from God. It comes from his word. He gives me the strength, doesn't he? And, and he can do that for every single one of us. So if we're able to dive headlong into the Christian life, I hope... I hope this, this would be your focus because I think we have the keys for it, right? God gave us the keys. He didn't go, follow me, do the best job you can, and then there's no help because we have the best foundation. We've got great examples. And he uses ones from the world to say, be like that, only be a Christian like that. And this best practice that we have, we make it so complicated, but it's really just about thinking about God and doing it as often as we can. And you might be surprised what God would do in your life. Um, I'm praying for all of you for that always. Um, Every week, it's just like there's never a week goes by. I'm just not like, let our thoughts be higher. Let our ways be higher like God's, okay? Uh, maybe you're here today and you're hearing this and you're like, I don't, I don't know God. Um, I've never had that opportunity to know him and, and I'd love to be able to do that. Well, we believe it's as simple as this. You admit you're a sinner. Like nobody does this life on their own. We're not perfect. We can't do anything without God's help. We can't be saved. What the scripture tells us, we would believe in what Jesus did for us and he died on the cross for our sins. He was raised us three days later. Scripture tells us if we would confess that with our mouths, we'd say, you know what? I believe that, and that's true, Then we'd be saved. And we'd stand before God in eternity. And I love because when we, when we have memorials like we did yesterday, it's just like I'm reminded of it. Um, it's a sad time, but at the same time, it's like a joyful time, you know, because we're like, that's what it's about. That's where we'll be. And we think about it now, um, but I pray for that time when you will be standing before God. If you don't know that, um, then I'd love to walk you through that. Uh, if you're online, reach out to us that way. If you're in person, I'll be here afterwards, okay? Uh, let me pray for us, and we'll be closed. Uh, Father, we <clears throat> thank you uh, for um, your word. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not my words, luckily. It's yours. 
Um, thankful that uh, you have given them to us, that uh, this formation of who you are and has been revealed to us. Um, and God, as we, as we look at Genesis and think about how amazing the things are that you did, creating the world in seven days, it's almost, I mean, it's unfathomable for us. How, how could we know that we could never do that, but you could. And you did it by your word. God, I pray that we would just rest um, on who you are. As we think this week, um, it's so difficult for us um, with things not being normal or however they're supposed to be. Uh, I pray that we would just be focused on knowing you the best, like being the best at that, God, and everything else um, would just be secondary to that. Um, God, the things that maybe you could show us um, if we would do that, if we would live our lives in this way, that we know what the foundation is. We know what the example looks like and who you sent for us, Jesus, um, and the rest of the world. How should we live like, like a soldier who's fully committed, like a farmer, always working, always tending to the crops? And God, I pray that as we practice, that we wouldn't make this too difficult. Um, God, we... Um, your ways are so much higher. Uh, if our thoughts could just be there, God, um, if the things that we think about, the things that we do um, could just be more about you and what you want, um, I pray that those would be our thoughts um, daily. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.